0: You're listening to a special edition of the Weekly Parsha Podcast, recorded with Hashem's help, in Ramat Israel Israel, 5769, 2009. Now we're going to do something a little bit different than I'm, what I'm used to on this special Purim podcast, because right now I'm babysitting, and my little baby girl is in my arm. And I don't know, usually, so I go back and forth, I stop, I go, recording in my studio, so I have the luxury of being able to stop. But since I'm holding my baby in one arm, and I'm speaking into I usually sit and now I'm standing, so we'll see how it goes, and you'll have to bear with me, if it's not perfectly smooth as it usually is, maybe it will be, Hashem will give me some extra siyata d'shmaya, some extra divine help. In any event, I want to talk a little bit about Purim, Purim is coming up in just two days, so if you live in 99.9% of the world, so you're going to celebrate Purim on Monday, I'm sorry, on Tuesday, Monday is a fast Tomorrow is a fast of Esther. We fast all day. In the evening, Monday night, is already Purim. We're going to listen to the Megillah, the wonderful story of Ashgach HaPratis, tremendous divine providence that God showed us in those days, that story of Esther. And then, so that's Monday night. And then Tuesday, we're going to give out special gifts to our friends, two different foods, and to two different people. We also give out a special amount of money to the poor to make sure that they have the ability to create a suuda, a meal, a special Purim meal. And we have a Purim meal as well for ourselves. And one of the mitzvahs of Purim is to get drunk. An unbelievable thing that we don't find anywhere else. You ever find a commandment to get drunk? No. But we have a commandment to get drunk on Purim it's very interesting the way that the Torah describes, the way that the Halacha describes this obligation to get drunk. It says, A person has an obligation to get inebriated on Purim, to the point where he does not know the difference between the evil, cursed Haman, Haman, who was the antagonist of the perm story. He doesn't know the difference between him and the blessed nature of Mordechai. Mordechai was the protagonist, one of the positive uh, characters in the perm story. So you have to get so drunk that you don't know the difference between the evil of Haman and the, the blessed nature of Mordechai. Now, it's a very interesting thing. We never find, first of all, as we said, that there's an obligation to get drunk any other time in the entire year. And here we find that the obligation to get drunk, so you have to get drunk to the point you're so drunk you can't tell the difference between this evil person and this like this righteous person. It's an unbelievable thing. What's the understanding of it? What is the Torah trying to teach us? Of course, there's nothing that's shallow in the Torah. There's nothing shallow in the commandments. And when the sages they created this mitzvah, they created this special holiday back so many years ago. It goes back. This holiday goes back at least over two thousand years, closer to twenty five hundred years when they created this holiday, so nothing was by chance. Of course, there's a special deep lesson here. What's the lesson? What's it coming to teach us? So, Baruch Hashem, my little baby, has fallen asleep. So I'm going to stop for a moment. You're not going to be able to tell the difference, but I'm going to stop, and I'm going to come right back. Okay, I'm right back. And uh, she has woken up, and she's still in my arm, falling back asleep. In any event, so that's the first question. The second question that I'd like to understand is the masks of Purim. Why do we get dressed up on Purim? It's not... Uh, We can't compare it in any way to Halloween. Halloween is the day we get dressed up, all kinds of weird costumes. I'm pouring nothing to do with that. We get dressed up in costumes, we wear masks. There's something special and deep about that. What's the understanding of it? We also need to understand that as well. Now, to begin with, to begin to try to understand the first question, why is it that we have to get so drunk to the point where we can't tell the difference between the evil person, Haman, and the great sage, the great tzaddik, the righteous person, Mordechai? What's the understanding of that? So I'd like to point out a few different places where we see these extremes. We find extremes, and the interesting thing about the extremes is that they're very similar. The extremes are very similar. What do I mean? I'll give you an example. Right from Purim. You look and you listen carefully to the tune that's used in Ashkenazic shuls for the Megillah. So the tune, melodically, is very, very similar to the tune for Eicha. Eicha is the sad song that we sing, the sad lamentations that we sing about the destruction of the Temple that happened on Tishabav on the ninth day of Av. And we sing it to a tune, it sounds like this. Eicha, yeshva badad. Oh, whoa, unto the city that is sitting all alone is referring to Jerusalem. The great city that was so filled with so many people has become like a widow. And we sing that tune. And that's the tune that we use for Echa. Now, if you listen to the tune that we use for the Megillah, so it's much more happy. It goes like this that 's the the tune, but if you listen to the the notes carefully, the tune is very very similar. The difference between the two tunes is almost completely in the inflections in the way that you sing it Echa is is only a sad tune because you sing it slow and you sing it mournfully and the Megillah tune is only a glad tune because you sing it in an upbeat beat and in a fast way and you sing it in a happy way. But the truth is that the notes are very, very, very similar. It's almost the same exact tune and we're using this, almost the same exact tune for both a very sad Megillah, very sad scroll and for a very joyous scroll. It's a very happy Megillah that we read that reminds us about the tremendous miracle of Siyad D'Shmaya, of God's divine help that we had back in those times in Persia. Now, the question is why? What's the understanding of that? Another thing that we find where you have these opposites, you have two extreme things and there's a similarity between the two extreme things. We cry. We cry when we're joyous. We cry when we're happy. Unbelievable thing. We cry when we're happy and we cry when we're sad. Not only that, but the sound that we make when we're laughing And the sound that we make when we're crying, they're almost exactly the same. It sounds like this, ah, 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 you can't tell if I'm crying or I'm laughing. In fact, one time I remember I was crying, I was crying very deeply, I was very upset about something and my son overheard me and he was also upset about the same thing and uh, he thought I was laughing and he started laughing even though he was crying and he couldn't tell, he thought that I was laughing even though I was crying. That's that sound, the sound of laughing and the sound of crying are almost exactly the same. What's the understanding of that? And in fact, there are many different things that, if you look carefully, you can find that you can have the exact opposite emotion or the exact opposite idea, but they're expressed in a similar way or in a similar way. We find in in the Hebrew language itself that there are certain words. There are certain words that have this both one meaning and its exact opposite. Davar v'hifucho. You can find a word that that means both the negative thing and a very positive thing. What's the understanding of it? What's what's the concept? So. I'd like to share with you a thought that comes to explain this idea that for many, many years I didn't understand. I didn't understand what the idea was coming to say. And recently, I, I started to understand what it was What it was really coming to say. There's a beautiful safer, a beautiful book by Rabbi Aryeh Kaplan, very deep, it speaks about the concept of meditation. It's called Meditation and Kabbalah. And he brings down many different ideas, many different stories that have to do with Kabbalah. One of the very interesting things that he brings down there is the story of a certain person who wanted to come to, to join the Society of Meditators. It was perhaps a young man, I don't know exactly. And the story describes how this person, this young man comes to the elder statesman, the elder person who's in charge of this group of meditators, and he says to them, I'd like to join your group. And the elder there asks him, tell me something, my son. When someone insults you, is it the same to you as when someone compliments you. So, the guy is thinking to himself, he says, well, I'll tell you, when someone insults me, I don't, I don't, I mean, I get, I get hurt, but I don't hold it against him. I forgive him right away, and, and I don't bear a grudge against him at all. And the meditator says to him, I'm sorry, son, but you're not yet ready. You haven't reached the level yet where you can join us. Only once you've reached the level where a compliment and a, an insult are the same to you, that's when you can join us. That was the that's the story. The concept is coming to teach Rabbi Ari Kaplan that in order to to be on a level one can, can you know access very high level of meditation to access very high levels in Jewish meditation. So it has to be on a certain level. Of course, there are lower levels of meditation that one can access, even if a person's not on such a high level. But if you want to access the real secrets, the real depth of Kabbalah, of Kabbalistic meditation, so you have to, you have to be on that level. Now, when I, when I originally learned this and I originally read this, so I had a different understanding of it than, than is actually the right understanding. I thought what it meant was that when a person goes and he gets complimented. When a person gets insulted, he should be nothing, no emotion, absolutely nothing. You compliment me, I respond with, mm, blah, nothing, nothing. And and if you insult me, I respond with, mm, blah, nothing, absolutely no emotion. That's not what it means. That's not at all what it means. In fact, what it means is that a person is on such a high level, that a person realizes that every single thing comes from Hashem. He realizes that when he gets a compliment, he's joyous. He loves it. He feels so good. He feels like it's directly from Hashem, and when someone gets an insult, when someone gets someone puts him down, he also jumps for joy. Why? Because he realizes that every single thing comes from Hashem. Even the the positive and the negative things come from Hashem. And in fact, this is something that I've mentioned before. But this is the concept that when Mashiach comes, that. You know, what are we going to refer to Hashem as? We're not going to refer to him as Elokim. We're not going to refer to him as Adosham. We're not going to use any name other than the name Yudke Vovke, The, the, the tetragrammat and the four-letter name of Hashem. We're going to pronounce it as it's written. And the reason is because at that time, so all these different names of Hashem represent different ways that we perceive God. Sometimes we'll perceive him as a judging God. That's the name Elohim. Sometimes we'll perceive him as a merciful God. That's the name Aleph Dal Nun that we pronounce, the way we pronounce it but it, Hashem can be perceived in different ways that's only in this world we only perceive Hashem differently in this world but on the real level when Mashiach comes so we perceive Hashem exclusively everything is good in fact our sages tell us that nowadays so we make blessings we make a blessing when we get good news we say Baruch Vameitiv blessed is the one who does good things and when we get bad news heaven forbid if someone hears about someone passing away we say Baruch Dayana Emes we say blessed is the true judge we make a negative statement of blessing when Mashiach comes, even when somebody dies, we're going to say the same type of blessing, we're going to see that this is good. Even though it's something that on the surface, in, in our version of reality right now, it seems negative. But in the real version of reality, it will be clear how positive it is. That's the ultimate level. The ultimate level. And that's what the meditator was teaching. This person wanted to become an, an initiate. He wanted to, to join into the into society. You want to get to a very high level. You want to enter into the higher realms. You can only enter into those high realms when everything is good. You realize that if you get you get a compliment it's good and if you get insulted it's also good that's the concept of what's going on over here as well and all of these different things where you see the concept and it's opposite <clears throat> what do we have to get so drunk we have to get so drunk until which point until we say we can't tell the difference between our Haman and Baruch It doesn't mean you have to get so stoned that you fall asleep on the floor that you might also be Yosei it could be that you fulfill your obligation that way as well, but that's not um, that 's not the depth the beauty of the statement. The depth and beauty of the statement is you have to get so drunk until you reach this point in your in your stupor not not that you 're out of your mind, not that you 've lost your mind, but you reach, you reach this point where everything is so clear to you, you reach this point where everything is so beautiful to you that the haman the cursed nature of haman and the blessed nature of a mortal of a righteous person, they're equal. You see that they're all from Hashem. And you see, after the whole story is over, the whole perm story, you look back and you see the fact that Haman wanted to destroy the Jewish people. That was something that was very positive. It created the opportunity. It created the chance for the Jewish people to be able to do tshuva, to be able to bring themselves back, reconnect themselves. Kimu They were able to reach a level that was much higher than before, where they accepted upon themselves willingly to do the will of Hashem, to do the will of God. And that was something that they only reached via an evil person like Haman. When you can have that recognition and realize that our Haman, the evil of a Haman, is equal to the goodness of a Mordechai. That's when the laughing, you have a laughter. <laughs> Sounds like you're crying. Sounds like you're laughing. It's all the same. It's all the same because in the higher world, if you want to access what's really going on, the laughter and the crying it's all the same emotion it all comes from the depth of an understanding that it's all from Hashem and that's why the crying and the laughing and the joy and the sadness they all involve tears that's a real emotion they come out of the eyes the eyes represent as we've mentioned before seeing the when you see everything for the whole the broader picture that's that's the concept of crying it's the concept of laughing it's the concept of getting so drunk that you can't tell the difference you don't know the difference it's all clear to you to you, it's all from Hashem. Everything that's negative and positive. That's the idea of the masks that we wear in Purim. It's not a shallow idea. We don't dress up for a shallow reason. We dress up because it represents the idea that Hashem has dressed up the world. He's covered everything. It's called an Eilam. What is an Eilam? A world. What's the ilum? Ilum is from the word He'lem. It means things are covered up. Things are hidden. You can't see what's really beneath their surface. But you can see what's really beneath the surface. If you look deeply, you can. If you look broadly, you can. If you see with your eyes, if you're able to put the words together like we mentioned before with with your ears, with with the sounds, you can put all the sounds together you can hear what's really happening behind the surface, you can pull off the mask you can see what's really going on, that's why we get dressed up, we get dressed up to represent the fact that the whole world is just a mask, it's covering up what's really beneath the surface, the whole story of Purim doesn't say the name of Hashem once, it's covering up what's really beneath the surface, if you look at the whole picture you can see, hey this is really Hashem Hashem is putting on a mask, He's covering himself up with this whole interesting story but it's clear this coincidence this coincidence this coincidence they all add up the negative part of the story the positive part of the story it's all all in essence from Hashem it all goes back to Him I want to bless you and me and all of us that we should be able to see we should be able to yeah, get drunk, get to the point where we can see that everything that goes on in our lives, whether it's something that's negative difficult, something that's positive and wonderful, it's all from Hashem that's where we have to get to, that's the aim that's the purpose of Purim, to recognize that everything that happens to us is from Hashem whether it's negative, whether it's our Haman the negative things that we see in the world the negative forces in the world, it's all ultimately for our best, whether it's the Baruch Mordechai that's also of course, you see blessings in your lives, that's also of course from Hashem to recognize that everything comes from Hashem Thank you so much for listening and have a very beautiful week.